Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I am so happy and grateful to have Lana with us here today, who is a mindset coach, law of attraction expert, and author of the best-selling book, Manifest That Miracle. Learn why you don't have what you want and how to get it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands to manifest what seems out of reach, including buying their dream home, healing from a chronic illness, and meeting their ideal partner. More than 20,000 people have, ever, have participated in her manifesting challenges. Lana's energetic personality and no-holds-barred coaching has been featured in popular media such as Forbes, TV One, and NPR. Lana studied at UC Berkeley and the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology, She lives in Puerto Rico with her husband and three kids and is working on her second book. Lana, welcome and thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. We've already had so many great conversations that I'm I'm curious to see what we capture on camera and audio now. I know, I know. We should have recorded the whole preview of this. (laughs) We talked about death about kids, about uh, transformation and how you have to dissolve yourself in order to yeah, embrace yeah. it. it Liquefying, <laughs> And we didn't even get to where the best, where are the best plantains or any of those types of things unfold. <laughs> right. <laughs> you have to come to Puerto Rico for that. Oh, I love Puerto Rico. I absolutely love it there. I definitely want to. So I think it'd be cool to start a conversation maybe about around want because I feel like one of the things that I hear populate many conversations is this want this desire to want but oftentimes that desire to want almost seems to be a perceptual desire because it's from this perception of lack I don't have this so I want this I I don't have this so I want that And you and I were having this really incredible conversation about want beforehand and how maybe that's not the best strategy for wanting. So maybe you can dive into that a little bit. Yeah. So uh, this is an idea that I came up with. I know like uh, Abraham Hicks and other people have talked about this idea that what we mostly associate with want is need and like yearning for, which means it has that edge of not having and feeling the pain of not having because it's one thing to not have like i haven't had dinner tonight but i'm not yearning for it i'm not worried about it i'm not fearful about it i'm like well dinner comes and i will make some food and we will have dinner together right so there's there is um a place of desire that is from abundance from having, from appreciating. And I feel like it's really tricky because all of these manifesting techniques and mindset trainings and all of it is like, you can have more, you can have anything you want, go live your life full out. And it sounds like very sexy and shiny and exciting. And it isn't, um, you know, we talked about the quote that I have in my book that to want to get what you want, you have to want what you have. So how do you want what you have so much that when more comes, you're able to also want that, right? So an example would be the people that let's say have a thousand dollars in their bank account and they are so unhappy because they want a million, right? 
So they are not wanting the thousand that they have. No matter how much they get, it won't be enough. Same thing with relationships. So many people that I've worked with on relationships where they have a partner and they are not able to receive what this partner is able to give because they want more that this partner is not giving or so is the perception. I'm like, mm -hmm. you're not even able to receive what they're already giving you. Why do you want more? And it's the same thing with money. You're not even able to appreciate what you do have. Why do you want more to not appreciate? Hmm. That is not a recipe for fulfillment. That is not a recipe for any kind of satisfaction. It is a recipe for always wanting more and always being far away from it, arm's length. You know, like the, the carrot and the stick, it's always in front of you. No matter how far you get, it's always going to be in front of you. And guess what? If you somehow through whatever circumstances actually get everything you want, how much practice have you had appreciating it? How great are you going to be at it then? Right. And so it's not about, you know, saying, well, just blossom where you're planted or like stay small. Like you, you know, don't want anything else. I'm not of the thinking that you have to be a monk or denounce world possessions or any of that. It's both. And it's not, it's stepping out of the duality thinking, right? What's well, either, or either I have everything and I go for everything or I have nothing and I go for nothing. I mean, there's a whole lot in between life is usually not between the polarities. So how do you find satisfaction? My answer, how do you find satisfaction in the journey and appreciation in what is while you are open to the more? Right. Mm. Like I can appreciate the fact my three-year-old is three years old. And I tell him all the time how adorable his little toes and fingers are. And I did that when he was six months old and a year and now three, and eventually he'll be a grown man. And I can appreciate every step of the journey and really soak it up because it won't stay the same. But if I'm always wanting him to be the six month old he was before, or to be the three-year-old or with my nine-year-old, if I want them to go back to the babies that they were, that I'm creating that lack because they are not that, hmm. but they are who they are. And can I receive the gifts of today? I love that. So the, for the person, I want to dive in a little bit deeper to that. So the person who has, let's use that thousand dollars in their bank account, they have a thousand and they look at it and say, my God, I only have a thousand. How am I going to survive? I need a million. I want a million. It would, life would be so easy if I was rich. You know, whatever that usually goes yeah. after that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If, if I was rich, then this. How does that person who has that thousand learn or begin to appreciate that thousand dollars more deeply? Is that a practice? Is that a, a ritual routine? What does that look like? That's a paradigm shift. And really, I feel like with money, for most people, money is just a reflection of how they feel about other things in their life. Because money is not a person. It's an imaginary set of circumstances that you perceive however you perceive. You know, to one person, that $1,000 is, to, you know, to somebody in Africa who might be living on 30 cents a day, that is a million. To yeah. you, it might be nothing. If you're in Beverly Hills, it's like, you know the pocket change or whatever. So it is a perceptual thing. Um, I say this in my book and when people quote it, I laugh. I'm like, 
whatever you think your dream is to somebody, it's a nightmare. And I use the example, mm. like to you, a million might be a dream, but to a billionaire, it's a nightmare if they were to get to none. And the same thing, like to get pregnant and have a baby to some is a dream and to some is a nightmare, right? Like it is a perceptual. Once you can understand that everything is not what it is, it's what you perceive it to be. That's the paradigm shift, right? And so when you address it at the root level, which is not about money at all. For most people, money represents worth and freedom and security, right? So what is worth? Worth is the capacity to do what makes you feel good. It is way beyond a narcissistic sort of like, I do what I want when I want to do it. It's being able to have boundaries that instead of keeping others out, keep you in. It's being mm. able to honor and respect yourself. It is not about others at all. It is not a comparing yourself to other people or how you're behaving. It's about honoring yourself and feeling truly deserving of love, of respect, of kindness, of whatever it is, right? And then being able to walk that way in the world. Um, security is, I feel like that's underlying our society. We have a, we have a fundamentally... Our issue is not that we don't have enough, uh, you know, love in our houses, enough money, um, enough freedom in our lives. Our issue is that we don't feel safe. That's what I end up working with so many people underneath it all. They're like, I just want to feel safe. And no matter what I do, I don't actually feel, I didn't feel safe expressing how I feel when I was a kid. I didn't feel safe being myself. They went through all the schooling, all the whatever, and it just taught them that it is less and less safe to be themselves. And so they've created all of these boundaries and these walls around themselves. And while they are keeping whatever out that they wanted to keep out at some point, it is also preventing everything else from coming in. Wow. Yep. So that $1,000, right? The paradigm shift is not about the money. It's about saying, what if I could appreciate what is currently here? And what if I did the ballsiest thing in our society and actually dropped into whatever is happening and recognize that there's value and meaning in it? If not a gift, at least meaning, at least a lesson. So in other words, you're not looking to the past of what was and whether celebrating it or denying it and, and, you know, being unhappy about it or looking to the future, but saying right here, right now is the, the center of my power. What do I want to do with the now? Most people are just not focused on that. I'm not talking about sitting there and meditating on a mountaintop for 20 years. Like, like I have three kids in front of me. And if I'm so focused on getting to that million, for example, and not being happy with a thousand dollars, and if that occupied my thoughts, guess how much of my attention my kids got? And if you were to ask me, what's more important to you? The capacity to get to the end of your life and say, wow, I was really present for my kids' development and growth. Look at all of the, the quality time that we had to get. Look at all the experiences and adventures that we've had. Or that I was able to, I don't know, whatever the things that money would be able to buy. Obviously, there is a baseline of security that needs to be addressed. And that is definitely coming up in our society, like the sense of inequity that there is that you, you have that Maslow hierarchy. You have to get your basic needs met. That is a priority. Having grown up in total poverty in Russia, I know 
the value of that. So I know it's a luxury to be having the level of problems that I'm having. Again, I'm able to look at the problems that I'm having and have a different perspective on it and see them as a blessing. That's a paradigm shift. Mm. You know, the problem, one of my popular videos on YouTube is how I celebrate and appreciate the debt I've had in my life. Because growing up in a communist environment, you could not do anything without the government giving you permission. There was no system of getting credit. There was no way for you. And when it opened up, even now, my cousin can't just go take out a loan and go to grad school. She has no assets, no collateral, no way to get credit. People don't even value the fact that they can go and start a business, borrow money for, you know, building an extension on the house, investing in their education. It's that paradigm shift, right? Hmm. How do you, is there a balance, Lana, for you in terms of, so for someone who's hearing this, they're resonating with it and they're thinking, okay, <clears throat> I need to make that paradigm shift. I'm game. I want to make that paradigm shift. Maybe I'm actively making it, but it's trying to level up. And I'm struggling with trying to figure out where is that balance, if that's even the right word, between focusing on making that paradigm shift, but also working on the business, building the business to make sure that basic safety net is met. Yeah. And yeah how do I make that? Is it a time trade? Because if I'm, if I'm working on the business, then I'm taking away time from the kids, but I get it. I would totally be, if it was my deathbed tomorrow, I would be bummed out that I spent the time working on the business and not developing my kids as much if I missed those moments. So is there, is there a balance for you? Like, how do you decide that for yourself? I don't believe in balance. I believe in clarity. Hmm. So there has to be a clarity about your true priorities. And for example, I do want to feed my kids and have them in a house and be able to take them to, you know, go surfing and do all these things that are, you know, maybe take money and take uh, time away from the business. But I think this is going back again to duality, right? I, I, I like to joke that I don't believe in compromise. I believe in creativity. So the kind of question, the, the quality of your life will improve by the quality of the questions you ask yourself. And so for me, it's like, how can I have both? Again, moving away from either or. What if I want to spend time with my kids and I want to work on my business? And I have really created that. Like a lot of my bills, business can and does involve my kids. They know what mommy's doing. They are in my videos. They, they you know, I can go work from being at the beach I, I am able to weave them in so that each one serves the other. And the challenge is when you feel like it's a zero sum game and there's only this many slices of the pie of your life. And if you put this one here, then this one is missing out. That mm. is like lackful thinking at its foundational level. It, because it assumes that there is no more. Mm. Right? Yep. So... How I recommend, I mean, go get the book. It's, you know, you can get it on Amazon or for free on my website. And I walk people step by step because what clarity looks like is it's emotional clarity more than anything. So I have people do all of these reflective exercises and self-awareness exercises to get clear on their core desired 
emotions, their core desired intentions, and those will evolve over their life. But for the most part, a lot of people want to feel secure. They want to feel seen, heard. They want to feel um, valued. They want to feel safe, whatever, whatever it may be. And then you start building your life and the tasks and the actions that, that are part of your life around your true intentions. And that's why it feels so satisfying when you meet them. I feel particularly satisfied when I can enhance someone's life, let's say through uh, you know, a post that I did on Instagram or a video I created and my kids' lives got enhanced. And it's a win, 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 win. Yeah. So I look for those win, 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 wins. And when I feel like it's a lose-lose, that's when I know, or when it's a win-lose, that's when I feel like I am in that perspective that is something's going to lose. I don't like that feeling. So how do I wrap, uh, how do I expand, maybe is a better way, how do I expand the way that I'm approaching this? Now, most people really need to do that emotional work to be able to go to those kind of edges where the edge might be like, well, I have to do this or, you know, my family will disown me or my partner will leave me or I'll be a bad mom or whatever it is. And it's amazing to me how many people are so afraid of going to that edge that they are always um, staying what they think is safe behind mm -hmm. it, but really they've created a prison for themselves and they feel it and their bodies start manifesting it and their relationship starts reflecting because love needs freedom to thrive. Love suffocates under these kinds of conditions. And so for a lot of people, it's not until it's a, some sort of a wake up call. And for me, in my case too, until it gets bad enough and you're realizing I really can't approach life this way or this way. These are not ways that I can live, period, that it sort of forces you to think outside of those two approaches and find your own path, which is what I think is ultimately our destiny, right? Is to, to, to be in those questions and to forge your own path. That's what satisfaction is. That's what fulfillment is. Nobody can tell you what that is for you. It's a process of discovery. You mentioned a minute ago about the quality of your life and the quality of the questions you ask. And I'm curious, what is the, what has been the most life enhancing question that you've asked yourself or the most important question you've asked yourself in the last three months, six months? I mean, my whole lifetime. And that's a question that is so loaded that I don't even know how to begin answering it half the time. Does this feel good? Hmm. It's so loaded from, you know, this isn't supposed to feel good. And, you know, that's the wrong question altogether. Like there's struggle and strife and you got to survive and like, you know, get out of that type of thinking to just the, the daringness of in the face of suffering and pain in life that you dare to, to think about something that might be so frivolous and so in the moment, because feeling good has to be in the moment. You can't say, will this feel good a year from now? That's not really a way that you can wrap this question you know, with a satisfying answer. It's like getting honest with yourself. And for me, the big, big shift that came is when I started 
you know, learning about the mindset and law of attraction and, and, and transpersonal psychology, it was a fundamental shift from how I was brought up. And it, really, I had to start with a question because the statement would have been just way too much from where I come from. And that was, what if life is supposed to feel good instead of what if life just sucks and is always wow. going to feel bad and you're just hiding from the bad, which is how I spent all the way through, I don't know, 26, 27. Like that was pretty much how I approached life. You're just trying to protect yourself from the bad versus what if life is supposed to be or can be good. And what if the good is right here? It opened up my eyes. Well, let me look. Is the good here? Is the good here? Is the good? Is the, mm. Where is the good? I'm looking, you know, see, finders are going to be those that are seeking for that thing. So I started looking for something different than what I was looking for before. And that question has deepened and deepened and deepened for me because good is not this frivolous, like pleasant in the moment, like sensation. You know, the things that feel good to me a lot of times now are when I am completely broken open, for example. And when I'm at the bottom, it feels like, of my um, capacity to like expand. You know, it just feels like I'm contracting. Things don't feel right or I'm in pain and I'm contracting and I just kind of bottom out from this discomfort and asking myself what can feel better now feels radical. That is such an incredible mindset to have that when you're broken open and you feel that it's at the bottom and that's when we really ask that what feels good. How much do you grow when you're at those moments, when you're at those moments where you feel like you're broken open and you, you realize in the midst of whatever you're feeling, whether it's pain, it's grief, it's frustration, it's anger, it's all those human emotions that we all go through and you're not telling yourself this is bad to feel this way, which is many of us are taught to. You're not telling yourself, oh my God, I feel this way. I need to get the fuck out of it as fast as possible. Yeah. But you're in there saying, instead of telling yourself that you need to do this or telling yourself, my gosh, I shouldn't be feeling bad because I'm teaching people about these other things and you know, whatever that dialogue is, you're saying, I'm broken open right now. I'm feeling so raw and feeling this you know, where's, where's the good, what feels good in this? Where's the growth or is there growth for you in it? And what does that look like? See, even the idea of growth, I'm just going to hang on to that word, be not because of what you mean, but because of what most people mean mm -hmm. is that that is a subconscious way of saying where I am is bad. Let me get out of it. So I am now at the assumption. And again, I, really encourage people to find the assumptions that work in their life. The, the first chapter of this book talks about experimenting. Don't take anything I say at face value, go and experiment because that is the only way that you will learn it on your own skin for yourself. It doesn't matter if it worked for anybody else, right? Find your own truth. And so for me, it was this, you know, discovery of what if I either get what I want or what I need. So what is it that I need in this? And if I'm not trying to move out of it because I don't want it, 
and I'm allowing myself to go deeper into it. You know, I, I don't believe in evolution. I believe in involution. Everything that I want is really within. So this allows me to go deeper within. Is it easy? No, it really feels like death. It feels like grief. It feels like, you know, strong emotions that we tend to call negative emotion. Um, I talk about the keyboard, the emotional keyboard in the book and how the deeper notes, let's say, call them our, our fear and our pain and our powerlessness. And, you know, and then you have the higher notes, the, the frilly, you know, I wish I had a keyboard. I really should learn to play a piano because I use this analogy yeah, and I took like a year of piano when I was six. It's like horrible. I, I, I should have picked a better, better analogy. But anyway, I love music. And so I talk about, you know, do you want to just play on the higher notes and never use these notes and think they're bad and get out of them as soon as you go? Or do you want to create a life that feels like a masterpiece and think about the greatest masterpieces that you have heard? They are using that full scale. They are masterfully able to play the entire thing. So what if the meaning, the satisfaction, the fulfillment, the purpose of life is to learn to be a master maestro and to be able to play this incredible gamut of notes what if it's not about being uh, uh you know only in these da -da 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 -da. how annoying is it when people are always positive it sounds like they're just going you know or the super deep you know it really is playing the notes and what i have noticed and realized and now create experiences for people to, you know, be able to create for themselves is that all notes are like waves. They're not going to stay forever. Have you ever had an emotion for forever? You probably haven't even had it for a day. It's hard to sustain a whole emotion for a day. It's hard to hold that note just like monotone, right? So if you can allow these notes to inform you, to transform you, that's the value that they bring. So I'm not rushing to get out of the pain. That is sacred pain. I'm not, you know, making it the only thing in my life. There are other notes, but all of them are sacred. Hmm. And I do experience more, um, like a bigger delta, you know, a higher change or, or velocity of expansion in those moments. So I already, there is already an understanding and a knowing for me that even as it's happening, like my husband and I just had a big, like blowout experience and I am a hothead. So I'm thinking, okay, we're going to get divorced. We're going to like, I am just going straight to that at the same time as this is happening. And I feel so like misunderstood and not valued and not seen and all of these triggers from all of my childhood are getting dug up that's another thing that i think is hilarious when people we have a joke about it in my program when somebody uh says but i thought i dealt with this already <laughs> but like <laughs> i mean i'm not saying it in jest but there's like a, a chorus of us that comes up and says you will experience this for the rest of your life Welcome to being human. You have never dealt with anything, especially your core wounding, whatever it might be. Mine was kind of an emotional abandonment. It comes up and it always comes up when I'm right at that expansion point. 
So now I'm able to be in it and it is very uncomfortable. And what makes it more comfortable is that now I honor it. So I will cancel an interview, for example, because I can't do an interview in that space. I need to go tend to myself. I will ask for extra childcare. I will, you know, make sure that there's space for me to be in it and kind of, you know, lick my wounds if I need to at that time. Um, but also at the same time, I'm aware that this is a part of my expansion. In other words, I asked for this. People ask for growth. They ask for the next level, but when it shows up and they didn't get what they want, they got what they need so that they could work through what they really need to get to what they want. But they're like, no, I don't want it. So they send it back and then they go through that cycle all over again, over and over. That's the definition of suffering. That's the definition of insanity, right? For most people that come to me and they're like, I'm so miserable and I'm so fearful. And I'm like, you are literally in the worst place that you could possibly be right now is sitting there not making a decision. Not like, this is the worst. Fear is only bad until you've done it. Hmm. Then it's like, oh, like think about anything that was so scary. Yeah. You know, we talked about investing hugely in ourselves, our business. Oh my God, I remember thinking, oh my God, I'm going to pay $50,000. I mean, it was so terrifying. It was like the biggest decision of my life. Now that I've done it, I, that's also my definition of miracles, by the way, is things that haven't happened yet. Because after they happen, they're just facts. Yeah. You, something you said there about, I, I appreciate so much acknowledging that, that stuff still comes up. I think that one of the perceptions people think in their, in their journey is that by going on the journey, by traveling the road, it means that you are never going to have these problems. If you feel fear and you're trying to get beyond fear, you'll never feel fear again. You'll never feel sad. You'll never feel grief. You'll never feel anger, frustration, all those things. And I, it's so refreshing to hear from someone like yourself acknowledging that that's not the case. That it's, and would you want it to be the case yeah. when that is, that is your emotional guidance? Yeah. Those are the notes that are creating your masterpiece. That when you are sitting there in the, you know, throws and the satisfaction of the manifestation, guess when the seeds of it were planted? Hmm. It was not when it was all shiny and pretty and happening already. It was in that contrast in the not having, in the not experiencing. I remember as a child thinking, this is how I'm going to live my life. This is how I'm going to raise my kids. This is my most satisfying moments is when I am now, you know, reaping the rewards of the seeds I've planted. So how can I enjoy the mango and be mad at the seeds that grew that tree? And you can't have it both ways. Now, it, Napoleon Hill has this quote that, um, or somebody, I think it was him, that within every adversity are the seeds of opportunity. And that's, again, I realized that what needed to shift was not the circumstances in my life. It's what the way I see. It's my sight. So some people see adversity and I see seeds of opportunity. And it makes me feel better. And even if it's delusional for a moment, I'll take it. Because that's the other question people ask. Would you just dig your head in the sand? I'm like, not usually, but sometimes. Hmm. 
Uh, this has been so incredible and we only have time for one more question. People who are listening and they are seeing those seeds of opportunity in front of them right now. How do they begin to nurture those? What do you do when you see those seeds? Do you know right away how to nurture them? Or is it something that you're going by a feeling? Meaning, you know, some, some seeds, some plants grow really well in direct sunlight. Some don't need the sunlight. Some need a lot of water. Some need just a little bit of water. Is there a nurturing routine or ritual that you've developed around when you recognize those seeds and you say, there they are. It's time to plant. This is what I do. Okay. This is such a great question. And I'll give you an answer that I hope is clear, which is anytime you have a strong emotional charge around anything, strong positive emotional charge, strong negative emotional charge, meaning it makes you feel something other than just like, yeah, you know, kind of, somewhere in the middle, you know, between maybe slight, you know, boredom and pessimism to like slight hopefulness. Anything that has a strong emotional charge is for you by you. Hmm. Look, look to answer that question. How is this for me? By me. If you can stay with that question, you will find the answers. I just had a, a, a client that had, um, she has a, a chronic health condition. And I tend to work with people who, you know, they kind of understand that it's not going to change. Meaning those are my best clients that are not trying to just change the circumstances. They're not just after this shiny thing, like make the, the whole disease go away. So I never had it. And so they kind of accepted that maybe this is happening that I can't change. Now what? Like now what? Okay. Like, I can't take away this chronic discomfort. Now what? Like, I want to find a way to work with it, to live with it. And so she had this incredible healing because she was able to sit with the question, how is this for me? And she noticed that her symptoms would exacerbate when she, this is even a part of her that she called the victim. The victim would come out and throw the pity party and have all the symptoms, um, because the victim really needed for her to pay attention to that, that part of her. It needed to slow down. It needed to have its needs met, like basic needs for sleep and nutrition and things that maybe she just felt like she didn't have time for, right? And so whenever you have a part of yourself that you deny or you fight or you make bad, then there's a war going on within you between these different parts. And guess what? No matter who wins, you lose. If a part of you loses, you lose. So how do you welcome that part and create harmony between the different parts of your life, the different parts of yourself and say, what if this is for me by me? And when she started transforming the symptoms into wake up calls, I had a eating disorder all through my teenage years, early twenties. And when I started to look at it as a sacred alarm bells that were calling me to do the real inner work, that harmony work between these parts, it wasn't about the actions or the symptoms or that those were all just the, the branches, not the roots, hmm. right? And so when you can really ask yourself this question and sit with it, 
And a lot of times in all honesty, you're going to need to work with someone. Like, let's just break that down. I do. I, I, when I was in grad school, a professor said this and I kind of fought it. And, and then I've just surrendered to the truth of it really, which is all wounding is created in relationship and all healing can only happen in relationship. And so mm. I went from being so independent, mostly because of my abandonment issues from childhood. And I'm like, I don't need anyone. I don't need you. I don't need anything. I don't, you know, and and have, have created a paradigm of interdependence. So it's not either or, it's both and. Yes, I am free and independent and I like other people and need them. So it's both and. And so the more that there was this feeling of, you know, I can allow support, I can allow the help. A lot of times we just need that container for somebody to be present with us while we are asking these questions and experiencing these emotions. And so whether it's a therapist, a, a coach, a friend, a grandparent, a, I, I don't care, somebody, right? Then once you have internalized some of it, you can do a lot of it on your own. But I do feel like a lot of people try to do all of this on your own and they are not able to hold space for all of those warring parts of themselves. You need a mediator. You know what I mean? Like somebody who is going to welcome all of these parts. And so I I don't know if that answered your question. It's not a ritual. It's an approach. And the approach boils down. My whole philosophy boils down to thank you. Everyone, my goodness, are you going to want to rewatch and re-listen this? I have taken a half a page of notes just while I was trying to pay attention, watch, talk, and everything else, and I will be re-watching and re-listening. There is so much gold that Lana shared today with us from the notion of is it what you want or is it what you need? to looking at how are we taking these seeds and planting it, the mango and the seed, you know, so often we do, we, we enjoy the proverbial fruits, but we might cast almost condemnation on where the seeds came from to looking at the notion that both pain and healing happen within relationships to understanding the idea of want. And that if we if we're not appreciating what we have, how wanting is, is almost, I don't want to say a counterintuitive approach, but it's punishment. Yeah. It's, it's like voluntarily taking yourself outside and, and administering a, a beating to yourself and to really start to anchor yourself into appreciation for what you have the opportunity to look for opportunities versus problems that perhaps that you'll start to see miracles all around you, that the quality of your life is going to be the quality of the questions. And I love, gosh, I love the answer to that most important question. Does this feel good? I found that some of the most profound, powerful things, Lana shared so much and she shared so generously with us all. And some of the most profound, most profound things that I felt in my soul that gave me the goosebumps through my body was the simplicity in those little statements. Does this feel good to me? Thank you for the answer to what the process is, what the, you know, however I ask that question, that it boils down just to beginning with a thank you. 
imagine. Well, I didn't come up with it in all honesty. I'm pretty sure there are like generations of sages, you know, yeah. that, yeah. but it's, it's that eternal truth really holds. It yeah. really and, is. And I think something you do so exceptionally well, Lana, is you have taken, whether it's generations or if it's, it's, it came up two months ago, or if it came up 200, 2000 years ago, you have taken this sage-like wisdom from different people and you've put it in a way that is so relatable and so easily re-articulatable. I don't know if that's really a word, but I'm just going to make it up right now. In the sense that I feel like this, what you shared today is whether you're at a beginner, just beginning your journey, or you are an expert that has scaled the Mount Everest's of the, of the journey, that anyone can come into this and be able to extrapolate what they need and use it to help assist them on their journey. And I think that's really incredible. And it's a very, a very unique skill set to have. And so while I appreciate your humility of that you may not have come up with it, I really want to acknowledge your ability and what you've done with it because you shared some things today in a way that I've never heard or had or experienced. And they resonated with me in a way in the same note that I've never had them resonate with before. And yeah, this was absolutely incredible. We are so grateful for you. This has been such a blessing. Thank you for today. Oh no, Lana, did I lose you? We may have lost her. It looks like it may have frozen. So we will see you all next time on another. Oh, there you're back. I, I, I just realized I clearly need to expand in my capacity to, to receive hearing good things about myself because my Zoom I, just I just went on the best monologue of my life. <laughs> I'm going to listen to the replay, clearly. Best but, monologue know, of my life. I was like, oh, acknowledging, acknowledging, appreciating, and showering love. <laughs> and then I realized, no, it's, wait, she it's didn't so blink. Did she leave? <laughs> <laughs> you got me, captive audience. You know, it's, it, again, it's that approach. Whenever these things happen, when I have live calls or any, in a live setting, I had a live event in Puerto Rico here. We just moved here a year ago. And people were supposed to fly out. And the day before, there was a major earthquake that happened here. And again, I really, really had to practice what I preach, which is what if this is happening for me? Mm. What if, so, so with this thing, I will say, I'm now I need to re-listen to it and receive the, the words. <laughs> That's good. And for me, same thing. I'll say, I will, I need to work on making sure I, I do acknowledging and appreciating earlier to in case of, <laughs> case of technological emergencies, I could be more generous with it throughout. I thought it was such a great uh, conversation because, well, conversation, I mostly spoke, I think, <laughs> a little bit one-sided, but you asked great questions and they were open-ended and it gave a chance for a dialogue. I love, you know, having a conversation that is really new and fresh. It's not some regurgitated, you know, bit of, you know, that I've practiced, like my sound bite. It's so boring. I mean, honestly, I would, I would, I, when I used to teach yoga, I could never teach the same class again. It would always be new because it's these people, this energy, this day, this me, like it's new. I want to go to that leading edge. And so today, you know, I, I felt like we really, I said things that I have never 
quite set in the same way or come to clarity myself, you know, I feel like I rigged the system because I get to talk about this all day, every day, and then I get to live it. I mean, how, how much better can it get for me? That's awesome. I absolutely love that. All right, everyone. We will see you next time in another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to